welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm joined today by Claire. Hiya. By Emily. Hello. And by Nick. Hello. And as always, if you're listening to this and really think that you'd like to join in the conversation, please go over to the Some Sort of Miracle listener group over on Facebook. To find it, just search SSOM listener group, and in there you'll see some discussions around the episodes, and you'll see some of the uh, some of the material that we've used in some of these discussions being posted in there as well. And it's just a great place for people to kind of share their thoughts and experiences in as well. So please do go over and join that group on SSOM listener group on Facebook. So in this episode, we are continuing our series, reading through the responses to a survey on what people think about Christianity, Christians, the church, faith, religion, and Jesus. Today, we are delving into the next four questions from the survey, which are, what would be a barrier to you exploring the Christian faith? When are you most likely to consider faith, spirituality for yourself? Things that you find unattractive about Christianity and some things that you find attractive about Christianity. Not necessarily in that order. I think I may have mixed those up. But um, yeah, those are the questions we're going to be delving into. And we're going to head straight over to Nick for that first question. Yeah, so the one that I've um, just been having a look at was what would be uh, a barrier to exploring the Christian faith? Um, And the top answers for those seem to be mostly... I simply don't believe in God or a higher power or Christians have put me off. Um, There's kind of an honourable mention to I've never really thought about it as well, which is a few responses for those. But the the major two were I simply don't believe in God or a higher power and Christians have put me off. Um, It's interesting to see through the results that a lot of those stand on their own, but there are quite a few with multiple responses as well. So uh, two combined together, but those are the ones that jump out the most. I don't know you guys think about that. If there's anything that, that stands out to, yeah, why the, that might be. Have you had an idea? That was definitely an idea. Into my head and not the reminders to put the brown bin out tomorrow. <laughs> 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 moved house <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those like adult stresses now of like are we going to remember to put the bins out on time yeah. um so. <laughs> thanks for your understanding on that one um <laughs> you've got to talk now you've got to give us yeah. your thoughts <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean i guess my immediate response to that is that it's really sad isn't it that christians have put people off it's really sad that that's the top answer and yeah uh, it's it's an enormous challenge but I think yeah my overriding emotion reading that was feeling sad about it um not surprising that many people just say that they don't believe um as we're in an increasingly sort of secular world I think that would have been an answer that we would expect um and I suppose we would have probably guessed that some people might have said Christians have put them off but to see it to see it there is quite sobering really isn't it because it's um the opposite of what we hope the gospel <laughs> lived yeah. out in our lives would do so yeah it's interesting because a quote that's always challenged me is from Mahatma Gandhi and it says I like your Christ I do not like your Christians your Christians are so unlike your Christ and as Emily mm-hmm. said in terms of that we as Christians try to live that life which replicates who Jesus is and so often fall short from that. And then it's how do we, as followers of Jesus, live authentic lives, facing the battles that it is to be a human, but also showing who Jesus is 
within that. And as we think about in terms of our own relationships and our own friendships and family, recognising that they're the people who probably know us the best. And so how can we yeah, live those lives where we're honest with our struggles and what that means while still showing that we have a hope and a faith in Jesus? It's a huge challenge, isn't it? And we, we spoke last time about, um, like in, in our last, last episode, we spoke about kind of the one word that people would use to describe different things. And when we got to kind of Christians and Christianity and those sort of things, we spoke about this this sense that we, every time we, we kind of meet people and they find out that we're Christians, we are there kind of influencing their opinion on all of Christians and what Christianity is. And just as we kind of, they load onto us what their experiences of those terms already are. And it, it's both a huge responsibility and quite a challenge for us as well in that we, we've got to, I guess, live with the fact that they're going to have some ideas around Christianity that are picked up from people that, that do identify as Christians and that may not represent who who we are or what we think our faith is difficult because i think the um within the christian community there's you often a, a bit more of an understanding of of uh grace and second chances and things like that whereas externally or, or sort of in the in the secular world it seems like particularly with you know the whole cancel culture thing that's going on at the moment all those kind of things that you don't you don't really get a second chance and i think that probably filters into the results here is that some people will have had one experience of one Christian and thought that is definitely not for me. I, I don't want anything to do with that. And that might've just been one person having a bad day or it might've been, you know, there's lots of different ways that could go, but it's, yeah, it's, as you said, it's, it's quite a little bit of um, a challenge for us as a community to try and, yeah, to, to try and portray that understanding of grace and second chances that, that, you know just because we're christians doesn't mean we're perfect just because we're christians doesn't mean we get it right all the time doesn't even mean that we get christianity right all the time um so yeah that that getting that across would probably help influence the results a little bit better i think but that's i mean that's really difficult and quite a complicated um concept to to convey at times so I, I don't, I've, I've got lots of questions and not a lot of answers unfortunately as usual it's really easy as well to sit sit and think like when we think about christians that have put people off it's really easy to like put those christians into a group in our minds and not ever consider that we might be yeah, there 100 yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i think that's really and, and i think that facts facts the matter is at some point as we've matured in our faith as we as we hope to continue maturing in our theology then hopefully that is that's changing and our spiritual maturity is affecting the relationships around us and all those things but you know certainly like if I look in my past undoubtedly you know I could be condemned for hypocrisy and the way that I maybe claim to believe certain things and act in a different way and I guess we all you know we all can can't we we can all think of ways in which we may individually have put somebody off has someone just had a reminder about their bins as well i'm glad it's not <laughs> that was my work fund and an email sorry honestly what is this amateur hour <laughs> <laughs> shocking it's right next to the microphone as well so <laughs> I tend to get over it. sorry 
Yeah, I think when when Ed was talking, um, Emily, I, that was the first thing that came to my head. Is like, have I done that? And then that was very quickly, I was like, probably, yeah. I'm pretty sure that at some point that someone's exposure to Christianity has been me and it's not been a good one. Um, so, yeah, I think it's quite harrowing to think about. But I guess when we start thinking about, you know, the other ideas that we're talking about, it kind of makes it a little bit more palatable. But, yeah, it's, it's different. I don't want to feel like there's a lot of pressure on people, you know, to be, you know, just to be the perfect Christian, inverted commas, because I think that's that's where we can you can end up with this conversation as well. If, if I've only got one chance to influence someone as a Christian, uh, as a Christian, and that's their exposure to Christianity, then I've got to do it right. Whereas, I don't know. I think the opposite. I think allowing yourself space to not be perfect is is um, a little bit more. Yeah. First of all, realistic, and second of all, um, yeah, probably comes across a little bit better. And you, and that idea of hypocrisy and things probably starts to change a little bit. Sorry, Claire, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. I was just thinking in terms of, as I reflect on my uh, spiritual growth and in terms of that, I just think I must have very gracious friends who, in terms of when I've said things in the past that now I cringe about, actually, they've not, that's not at that point totally put them off Christianity. And in terms of when we have that longer opportunity to develop relationships and to show what faith means to us, in some ways, that's easier than that one-off encounter where that is literally all they're going to see in terms of having that one conversation or that one encounter. Should we look at some of the other top answers for barriers to exploring the Christian faith? Yeah. Uh, one that catches my eye is um, Christianity has too many do's and don'ts about how to live. I can kind of get behind that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> It's interesting because I've been speaking at church, or speaking, writing at church recently about freedom. And obviously, as we think about the whole Freedom Day and the Bible says that the truth sets us free. And yet somehow we have a million rules which seem to contradict what it means to be free. And in terms of that restriction and how do we live free from those restrictions? But I remember there was some analogy talking about playing football. I knew very little about this. But if there were no rules on the football pitch, you're not free to play the game in terms of how it was intended to be. But then I think sometimes we get caught up in the do's and the don'ts and in different expressions of church and different expressions of faith, those do's and don'ts are different as well. So why is it OK for some yeah. Christians to do this? And then why is it not OK for some Christians to do this? Yeah, absolutely. I remember. Yeah, I remember a few um weeks ago or probably months now we did an episode on favorite bible verses or bible verses that inspired us and there was one that i almost used which is from the message translation matthew 11 28 to 30 it says are you tired worn out burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life i'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me watch how i do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly and I just think, wow, that does not seem to be represented in so much of some of the Christian teaching I've had <laughs> growing up. It, sometimes we've made it seem so much like hard work, like uh, like so difficult to follow all the strict rules. And actually, I, I think there is room for that. Just God saying, no, just just come and be with me. Just like learn those unforced rhythms of grace. And I'm not saying that all of Christian life should be or all of life in general should be easy, but... I think we do make it so much harder for ourselves. I've just led a like, church leadership meeting and that was the Bible passage I used, mm. thinking about 
And I know from my perspective, in terms of rightly or wrongly, over these past months where we've not been at church or corporately meeting, I felt more free and more light with that. And so how in one way have we created, this is kind of like created a church where perhaps there's that rigidity and that duty bound that has made it become restrictive when it actually meant to be freely and lightly, as you say, what the Bible says. Yeah, it made me think of um, a different verse in um, in Corinthians, um, which is, uh, um, I think it's Corinthians 6. Someone can check that for me, please, if it, it might be wrong. Um, but it says, um, uh, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Um, so I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Um, and that, for me, makes sense of that freedom. Yeah, you can do what you want. There's nothing that stops you making any choice in anything um you can do whatever you want but not everything's beneficial for you i mean we were talking the other day emily about our crisps consumption um i know that if i do a six pack every day it's not beneficial for me but there's nothing stopping me from doing it i can do but it's just not good for me um and i think that that probably goes quite nicely along along with that i think yeah the, the perception often is christianity is, is a list of rules of things that spoil your fun um Whereas really, it, it, I mean, yeah, dependent on which what it is that you're looking at, you can I can see why people interpret it that way. Um, but the Bible there gives us permission. You know, it, you can do what you want, but it's not going to do what's beneficial for you. Do what's going to encourage your soul. What's going to, um, yeah, help you to develop your spirituality. I think that's a, that's a really important verse in the Bible for me. I think it, it makes a lot of sense of um, a lot of loopholes and a lot of yeah difficulties with theology and church uh rules and restrictions and all those kind of things i think for me there's a big difference between like i i, I don't want this this conversation to come across as if god never asks anything from us because uh, i don't think that's what any of us are saying but sometimes that there is god does say like have that personal conviction within yourself that actually god is saying no this isn't helpful for you like you say that all thing that all things are there but not everything is beneficial and i think that that becomes a, a different thing when it feels like that's personal con- um, conviction there where you feel the spirit is challenging you in something but that's very different too if someone i guess you you get up on and you hear on a sunday saying this is a blanket thing no yeah you're just not allowed to do this and it becomes those sort of rules and regulations rather than actually something born out of a relationship i think for me that's there's a difference there absolutely and i guess some of it isn't so much the do's and the don'ts it's what happens within the church if you do something wrong or you don't do something and in terms of how you can be quite easily condemned for certain things that are clear that you've may have broken a rule if you put it in that way whilst other things for years and years people can continue with behaviors that aren't helpful and yet there's no accountability within that i'm trying to think of i'm trying to think of things that i'm not supposed to be doing that i want to do like i know we're talking about this list of do's and don'ts and i'm thinking i think i've missed something because i'm not sure what they what they necessarily are biblically that i want to do that i'm not able to do and i guess that is just because i live my life in the freedom and i think it's made me think of whenever i'm talking to parents about their teenagers um and how children become teenagers overnight and then parents can suddenly be like i don't understand why they're pushing back on me or they're doing this or they're doing that 
I, I always think about when you go on a roller coaster and you pull the, um, you know, the kind of safety harnesses come over your head and they just hem you in. And the first thing you do to check that you're safe is give them a rattle to check how much room there is. And I think that's just a bit of a picture of a parenting relationship. If you actually said, um, okay, I'm going to remove them completely. Do you still want to ride the roller coaster? <laughs> You'd be like, no, I don't. And I think that that's a natural way that children and parent relationships work is to push back on those things that are put there to keep us safe, to test how much movement there is. And when I think of God as, as a parent figure, I think that's what scripture is. It's loving advisories that are there to keep us safe that we naturally want to wrestle with and naturally want to push back on a little bit. And we do, don't we? We figure out actually which of those things biblically we think, yes, this is here to keep me safe. Or actually, no, I'm not really sure about that. Um, but I really love that picture of, of, of the way a loving parent wants to keep the children safe and the natural resistance that we have when something like that is there. It always really upsets me when I hear um, sort of groups and churches that um, like maybe, uh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. So if you're taking the, the Bible totally literally, so things like you can't eat shellfish and, and things like that, it's detestable, I think it says in the Old Testament, and things like tattoos and things that people take things really like super literally. I just I feel like that freedom that we've been offered is just totally diminished by by these you know laws and rules that are actually when you think about it in modern day it does that does that benefit me as a Christian probably not and, and actually to caveat that I would say that there might be some people who would find that beneficial and would find that discipline helpful and that's absolutely fine but to apply it blanket as we were saying earlier across a church and say you can't do this because x y and z it becomes it kind of kills that freedom i i think you're right emily when you see when you see parents and uh, those people who are parents listening that it, your child's got their own mind haven't they they can they can do what they want but you can give them instruction and guidance as to what will be helpful for them what will and at the end of the day ultimately it will be up to them what they do particularly as they get older but but being able to you know apply a framework and saying perhaps this is good or this you know this is a good thing to do this is perhaps not that good for you um yeah it, it, it's a it's a really nice way to think about god to think like god as the, as the father certainly as that yeah really loving parent relationship and you do have that moment don't you Wade? the penny drops when you look back at your um well certainly for me i'm privileged to have two very loving parents and i know it's not the same for everybody but there's been those penny drop moments where i've been like oh that's why mum said that i shouldn't do that <laughs> because that really hurt me <laughs> it makes sense now you know and I think we have those moments don't we spiritually as well those penny drop moments of that's why that makes sense I think okay so the next question that we're going to be thinking about is when are you most likely to consider faith or spirituality for yourself um, and our top answers for that were um, interested conversation with a friend and also after the death or sickness of a loved one um, so yeah I don't know whether that's a, a particular surprise to you guys what what did you think about that one I really 
I think it's it hasn't felt like a surprise to me that one um, because I've got lots of friends who who aren't Christians and we talk about faith and spirituality all the time. <laughs> um, whenever we see them, they've got questions around kind of faith and spirituality, and um, I think that's just a natural thing when you're with friends and you're 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 actually close genuine friends and that's a big part of well that uh, that's not a hidden thing that's a big part of my life so it's a natural thing for them to be intrigued just like what one of them's into bodybuilding and I'm intrigued about that because that's a big part of his life so I ask him questions about that and I I don't think that's going to be the avenue that I explore because (laughs) that's not particularly for me but and I imagine he thinks the same about Christianity. But it's something we we talk about a lot, and it's just a genuine human connection there that we we share our lives and we we talk about it and di- delve into it. So yeah, that that wasn't a surprise to me that one. He's quite dominant as well when you look at the results. I think he's like thirty plus that say in conversation with trusted friends and it does make a lot of sense. And I think going back to what we were saying earlier, this is where it takes a lot of the pressure off. Because I think if you're just being yourself and talking about the things you're passionate about, um, you know, it'll naturally shine through with what, what you believe and what in the even just talking as we are doing tonight about some ideas about God and about church, you can see in people's faces what 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 it is that they believe or what it is that they, they feel strongly about. So I think that's where yeah, where we can take a bit of pressure off ourselves and just, you know, naturally things will come up in conversation with those people that are intrigued or interested um it's interesting that it goes it does go hand in hand with the other one which was uh, after the death of a uh, or serious illness of a loved one i think there's probably a bit of a crossover there as well where if you're trying to support someone through that that situation being able to um yeah, explain a little bit about what you believe or if it's helpful if it's asked for certainly um provides an opportunity just to share a little bit um but yeah if you look at the bible it's all storytelling and conversations with friends mostly isn't it and I guess thinking about in terms of the the death or a serious illness of a loved one it's that when you're searching and you're confused and we all find ourselves confused at that time and it's trying to find something to cling on to even if we don't necessarily haven't say we are a Christian or have that faith I think most people are still searching for some sort of meaning and purpose and whether they would agree with everything Christianity teaches actually you just have to kind of search for something greater something more to give meaning to what that is and if Christianity or faith or spirituality at that time offers that comfort it can start that journey to explore what does that mean beyond there Uh, I think it's that that feeling of when you have a sense of discard within your soul isn't it when you and and it doesn't even have to be that death or sickness of somebody it can just be like when you're in a crisis moment in your life you know that something about it isn't part of the design of um like heaven and I think when you feel that sense of discord in your soul that's when you get that agitation of there's got to be something more there's got to be a higher love this can't just be the way that that things are supposed to be and I think it's that moment isn't it that make people go what what else what else is there and where can I find it and that lack of control that we have as humans of I'm now in a situation where I'm fully out of control um that that helps us to 
to turn our faces, doesn't it? To incline our 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 faces to to heaven, really. Um, yeah, it's interesting you use that word like dis, that discord and that kind of disconnection where things seem fractured, because actually when you look at the root of where the word religion comes from, that's about rebinding or drawing back together, connecting again. And uh, yeah, that's that's, I guess, one interesting way of looking at religion as a concept that which manages to pull these fragmented things when when the world falls apart. What what is there for us that can actually fill that gap and bind things back together and allow some sort of semblance of us working our way through this? And I think in in many ways, that's where God steps in for people, doesn't he? And um, yeah, it's interesting. And it's interesting over these pandemic months and in terms of where there has been so much out of control, that thirst for spirituality, whether that looks like Christianity or religion, whatever, there is that someone's people are seeking something more because the one thing that the things that we trust in and and mm. the foundation have suddenly gone is that if they're not there, what is there? And in terms yeah. of yes, yeah, seeking something more to life and something to hang things on, really. Mm. Uh, a question came to mind just as we we're talking uh, obviously with us all being on this podcast we all find it fairly easy to talk about faith and our views and things and I, i've never struggled I'm, i've been described as a bit mouthy sometimes about sharing opinions and no and whatever <laughs> i know you might come as a shock um but yeah what is there any advice that you guys would give to people who I have an opportunity to share in a conversation, but just don't know where to start or just don't know what, what to say. Because I think sometimes we're desperate to to share good news or to share what it is that we believe in, but sometimes it'd be quite hard to nail it down or to, to put it into words. Is there anything that you might suggest that might help people? Well, that, that really resonates with me because I, I, I am that person often. <laughs> I am a natural introvert and I think that um, it does take me a little while to warm up and have those deeper conversations with, with people sometimes. Uh, maybe not within Christian circles because I kind of know where I stand. But um, I, what I found is that I, I think sometimes there's this misconception with evangelism that we, we are creating friendships in order to share the gospel with them. That's not been the case for me, and I don't think that should be the case. I, I create friendships because I, I actually want to connect with other people I, I i like the people that i'm friends with and i want to i want to be friends with them and then as you kind of build that relationship and get closer and closer actually it's just about a case of how much of yourself are you going to share because when they're asking oh what are you doing on sunday or what, what are you doing then there are answers for that for me that lead into me talking about my faith and that becomes very difficult to hide in a, in a way so i, I i've I've ne- it's never been something that I've felt naturally gifted in saying, okay, hi, I'm Ed. Uh, do you want to talk about Jesus for a second? Um, but it's it's come up naturally in conversation. I think f- as someone who's can be a bit awkward socially, that um, that's been an, a, a helpful thing, I guess. Yeah, I think that, like for me, I would say just being genuinely interested in others is the most important thing and it's not because you have an agenda of wanting to share your faith it's because other people can teach you about Jesus whether they believe in him or not and I think that's been one of the key things sort of as a school's chaplain that I've learned is that you know 
that faith and and Christ is like this kaleidoscope of experiences and each one of us if Christ and heaven is sown in the heart of mankind then we can learn from each other and I think a really important thing in this day and age is to be flexible with your thought when it comes to conversation and to not be easily offended I think that's where as Christians, we've fallen down in the past. And I think I've had lots of conversations with young people that feel that they have to defend the faith, that feel that they have to defend God. And that if someone rejects them for Christianity, that that's the end of that kind of conversation or that's the end of that. We can we can love each other and we can be flexible about the things we hold to whilst still ourselves personally believing in Christ and believing in the power of the resurrection we can hold to those things for ourselves but be flexible with the journey that we go on with others does that mean make sense so it's not selling out what we believe at all but acceptance and non-judgment has got to come from a place of flexibility in these conversations I yeah, think for me um I work in sales, so at selling products and things like that is uh, what I do, or ideas, concepts, those kind of things. Um, but I find that Christianity, Jesus, it doesn't need selling. It doesn't. It doesn't need me as a salesman to say, you know, these are the features and the benefits of being a Christian. It it boils down for me, and I think it probably combines both of what what um, you're both saying, Emily and Ed. That it's just about loving people, really. Um, and being honest, I think is, it would be my advice to anyone is, you know, if there's real things that we just don't know the answer to and being able to say, do you know, what I don't know, we're, we're trying to get our head around such massive con- concepts and constructs and all these really, really complicated ideas and probably things that we've, some of the things that we're not meant to understand as humans. So just being honest and saying, this is what I think, this is what I believe appreciate you know I appreciate you asking this is what I have to say this is what I, this is what I think and some of the time I don't know and some of the time I doubt and some of the time you know I don't I think that's really important sometimes it feels like it we it's the, the the idea is that we've been given this sales pitch and suddenly we've got a you know sell Christianity whereas it's not that at all it's it doesn't I don't think Jesus needs salesmen um I think he just needs people that love each other I agree completely. And also, I just think that's because the title of this uh, podcast is Church Bringing Sexy Back, isn't it? I think yeah, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> um, but I think that that is part of the problem we found ourselves with, isn't it? Is that church is trying to become, they're trying to become salespeople. Of like, if we wrap it up this way, if we make it appealing in this way, if we, you know, if we try to, um, make it look attractive if we try to get all the coolest people up on stage that all seem to have like a hipster sense of fashion and you know look trim or whatever then that will be what this age wants and I just think that that we've fallen down there massively because you know if we see through it as Christians then everyone else will see through that too and so I think that is, yeah, what what you're saying there is so true that we, we don't have to sell Jesus. And that's the amazing thing about Christianity. That's where it's freedom because it isn't about striving. It The gospel is the opposite of that, really. 
So you're saying I don't need to order that smoke machine for our church? Well, I think <laughs> most of the people that have been listening, Ed, are really looking forward to seeing your bodybuilding kind of... Well... <laughs> working out okay. of that friendship. Yeah. Um, Message yeah. received. Our listeners probably couldn't, obviously couldn't see, was the, sm- the like, wry smiles that just spread across our screen if we mentioned bodybuilding. <laughs> Everyone else's mind yeah. has gone to the same place as ours. So, yeah, we look forward to that. I thought the episode was called Ed Borrett bringing sexy back. And maybe I misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, I do want to keep our listeners, so um, I, we'll, we'll avoid that. Um. So our next question is thinking about things that we find attractive about Christianity. And the first thing which came, the most popular answer was having faith or something that gives a sense of purpose. And then it was being part of a loving community. And then number three was good moral teaching. And then number four, quite a way down, is the person of Jesus. So were you surprised by any of those? Or is it something that fits in with what you would have thought? I was surprised by the order of those um i think they were all the sorts of things but i was hoping jesus was going to be top <laughs> um but yeah no i think the that top one having faith or something to believe believe in that gives a sense of purpose yeah that that shouldn't be that surprising really should it as i, I do think people are are looking for that grand narrative to where where their life fits into the universe and i i think i yeah, Christianity certainly provides that for me. I certainly have a sense that actually um, when I'm looking at the future, when I'm looking at what job I want to do in the future or, or where I want to live, it is very much, okay, that question of do I think God is calling me into this is there. So there is that narrative I see myself stepping into with the, with my faith. And I, I can't imagine life without that, I guess, because I've had that there my whole life. So I... I, yeah, that, I don't find that particularly surprising. There's fewer answers for this than there are for. It seems like it's a very compact field. Yeah. Um, the, the others are quite right, wide ranging, but it seems like there's there's quite standout results. Um, there's, there's a little bit of a, a mention for nothing at the bottom, which is a few people just said nothing, which is interesting in itself. Um, again, it's. It's a shame that we couldn't have a little bit more as to why that would be. Um, but I'm guessing if you go through the other answers, in fact, if you look at the next answer with those combined, it does give you a little bit of an indication as to where that might be. But yeah, um, yeah I think it, it, there's, it seems like there's a little bit of a, a disconnect from the, re, from the results from people saying, I really like that you've got a sense of purpose and something to believe in, but... I can't believe in it or I, I can't access that. I, I, and that for me is, um, it's a bit of a quandary. Yeah. I'd really like to really like to dig a little bit deeper into those results as to you know, what is it that people, is it just the idea of God full stop or the idea of, um, yeah, creation or what, what is it that's the stumbling block maybe? Um, because that seems to be where those, it seems to be, it's okay it's a really good thing for a lot of people, but it's just not for me. I don't know if anyone else reads it that way when you combine the, uh, the two results. I don't know, because I think, um, I think it tells me that 
people don't know that much about Jesus, I think, because I think if they did, that maybe he would feature higher up. I think that lots of Christians would say they know a lot, a lot about Jesus, but I think that people that haven't grown up in a church environment probably don't know very much about him. What I think is really interesting as well is that when people talk about the loving community being appealing and also the sense of purpose being appealing, those two things in themselves are Christ-centred. Jesus came to create loving community among, among us. He also came to give a sense of purpose. So for me, I find that reassuring that those are things that they see. And even if they don't recognise that they are christ um, they they actually are. Does that make sense? So yeah, even though they may not acknowledge that that is Jesus, to us certainly it is because we know Christ dwells amongst us, and we know that Christ not only gives a sense of purpose but is the way. So that's quite reassuring for me. And I think it's also yeah, in terms of reassuring that people find it attractive about Christianity that there is a loving community in terms of they see that, despite perhaps the earlier comments about hypocrisy or whatever, there's still something they see within Christianity is, yes, that's where I could go to find that loving community. And I guess sometimes we beat ourselves up about in terms of what the church is like in reality and whether we feel that welcome, but actually the perception is um, that they do find that loving community there that perhaps don't find in other places. Yes, uh, for, for me, that sense of community has been really important in um, just some of the work I've done with the, the football team of just, you know, just creating a space for people just to come and play football and be loved. That's it. That's this, that's pretty much all I want from, from the team is that is that space for people to enjoy themselves, but also to feel like they belong, they feel like they're loved by people. And there's a really interesting result on them. Um, one, uh, one of the responses actually is really interesting. And he just says, you don't have to be a Christian to be loved by a Christian. Um, that, and that really jumped out um, because it was someone who, who said earlier on that they didn't identify uh, themselves as a Christian, but they actually understood that, that, that he didn't, you know, it wasn't just us and them. It was, you know, the, 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 this idea of love was all reaching. It was going out beyond this community that was maybe insular and going out outside of that and it being just one big community. Um so that was, yeah, I really enjoyed reading that response because somebody who really kind of, um, I think it reflects exactly what how I feel as well or how I feel Christianity should be, that we should be kind of reaching out beyond, you know, our own little, little clique. And that sometimes can be how it comes across, kind of this, this mm. although it is a, a loving community within and it's really nice part to be belong. For some people, it might be difficult to, access that particularly if socially if people find it difficult in new situations or in when strong established groups um so i wonder if that yeah i'm i'm pleased that that's a response that um that loving community is um understood to be something that's that's particularly attractive looking a little bit further into some of the numbers it's quite interesting that we had about 108 people respond to this survey. Uh, 61 of those people identify as a Christian. And only about 31 people responded as finding Jesus attractive about Christianity. And uh, those numbers just don't seem to make any sense to me whatsoever. Do you think that's just a sort of thing where they've just um, 
clicked other options at that point? Was like Jesus has been kind of a given there, or um, like Emily spoke about that idea of seeing Jesus in the in the acts in the community, seeing Jesus beyond just the the name itself. Um, but does that strike you guys as odd as well? It does, really odd. That that's the most attractive thing. If I'm talking, talking person, that's the most attractive thing about Christianity is the model of Jesus, and yeah, his his teachings. So unless the only thing I can think of is people think, well, that's a given. Like we don't need to say that because that that can yeah. make sense. That's what I hope anyway. <laughs> or are they trying to? Are do you reckon Christians who answered that? that question are trying to get into the mindset of people who are not Christians and thinking, what would they answer? Um, I know that wasn't the question we asked, but I, I guess it, it's, that's how I, the response in a way read to me, but. It's interesting because in terms of above Jesus comes this good moral teaching and which I was quite surprised about. Yeah. And I was like, but where's this good moral teaching coming from if it's not coming from Jesus? And in terms of, and I'm not saying morals is the same as do's and don'ts, but one of our, the barriers was in terms of the do's and don'ts, but yet we still want some sort of morals to hang our life on. So it's interesting that one was mm. kind of a negative, perhaps, whilst one is it's the good moral teaching that we are retracted to within Christianity, whatever that looks like. Mm. Puzzled faces all round. <laughs> you look deep in thought, Emily. Then I was deep in thought then. I was thinking about... Um, I was thinking about Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah, I was just thinking that, um, I was just thinking that in, in church and in Christianity, if teaching and if, if, if sermons, for example, are not pointing towards the person of Christ, then what, what are they doing? I, you know, I once read a book on, on good teaching by Timothy Keller, actually. And he says very clearly that all our Christian teaching should point to the person of Christ, even if you're speaking on a different part of the Bible, all scripture points towards the person of Christ. And that's what I was thinking about, really, of, of just I think that that's true. I, I think I've questioned that in my own mind. And when I hear teaching that sort of seems to be drifting towards the age of enlightenment and is just good advice. I think that's not that doesn't interest me that doesn't get me inspired as much as hearing about the way that Jesus behaved and interacted with other people so yes I was deep in thought (laughs) (laughs) it's it's interesting when you look at the term Christianity and we looked at a few episodes ago about you know one word to describe Christians and that the root of the word obviously being Christ like that to me, we we get all these added complications and theologies and you know um, dogmas and all these kind of external ideas. But if you want to really boil it down, just have a look at what Jesus did and and love each other. That seems to be that's that's the message. And I think you, I think you're right, Emily. Like not only should all teaching point towards Christ, but if you read the Bible, the Bible just it just points to this this pinnacle like you can very see it as a, a story that it climaxes at this point where um jesus comes and teaches and then uh, obviously dies as well it, it all kind of points towards jesus so we've got the bible doing it and the teaching doing it and if we're doing it as a collective surely that's the way that's 
that is the way in inverted commas as you see it in the bible yeah, capital t capital w yeah yeah alan hirsch even talks about that term christians being like a, a um an insult that used to be thrown around um literally meaning little christs and it got kind of co-opted by the church to to be a descriptor and that uh, i kind of like the idea actually yeah uh, what are we trying to be but little christ <laughs> And I guess the church is at its most dangerous and most damaging when it forgets about Jesus and when it becomes something other than Jesus. And it is, it is nothing without that. And yet so often we kind of try to pad it out and make it in one way more than it is, but less than it is. When you've got Jesus, it's just a way of worshipping and being missional for, Je- for Jesus. So the final one on our uh, episode today is uh, things that I find unattractive about Christianity. Not me personally, but the people that responded to the survey and the top one on that list. And I think it won't be a surprise given some of the conversations we've had and some of the responses to previous questions is hypocrisy. Uh, Second place is intolerance. And third place is rules, laws, do's and don'ts. And quite close in fourth is hierarchy. So is there anything there that jumps out at you? No, I'd agree with it all. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking exactly. I was thinking, do you know what? I can see why people arrived at that. Like, <laughs> I can see why why that's been people's, yeah, why, why people's been experienced. And I guess you're not asking for one word here. You're asking specifically for things that people might find unattractive, which kind of skews it, because these might be people yeah. who really love the church or love Jesus or both are um so so yeah it's a very specific question but i can definitely see why people have have put that put that down i think it's um it's fairly straightforward why you derive at those conclusions i think that i think also you know the the hypocrisy thing is always going to be we're always going to be stuck between a rock and a hard place because hypocrisy is not a Christian problem. It's a human problem. Nobody likes somebody that says one thing and does another. Um, But that is, that's humankind, isn't it? And so, you know, do we need to get caught up in worrying too much about being called hypocrites? I don't, I don't think we do. You know, we work in, I work in a church of England school and parents love to say, you're a Church of England school when we get something wrong or even actually sometimes when we think we've got it right and they perceive that we've got it wrong so I just think you know you wrestled with that a lot well I don't know if you did but when I was early in my faith I really wrestled with this idea of hypocrisy so much and now I'm just at this point where I just think we're never gonna be able to overcome that we spoke about the gospel of grace last week didn't we we need others to also view the christian faith with grace and know that we're human um so yeah what were some of the other ones sorry uh intolerance is second place um rules laws do's and don'ts hierarchy intolerance is an, an interesting one yeah um again i can see i see why people might say that but um, I think that's a challenge and it's something that we should take note of as as a church is we we want to be a, a welcoming space for everyone don't we that's that's the yeah. message but um 
and that's what we see in Jesus as well. Yeah. And if we, if we do that thing of trying to model following Jesus and trying to live the way he did, intolerance doesn't fit into that. And yeah, that's quite a challenge for us, isn't it? It's difficult, yeah. Obviously, there's the that's the experience that some people have have filled this in or the perception certainly. So, yeah, but it'd be interesting to know what what those um, responses came from as far as what was what was that perceived to be intolerant towards. Uh, and there's a couple of there are a bit a few more explicit answers further backwards. I think on some of the topics that we've had before, but. Um, yeah, I think it's something that we should. Uh, all of this, to be honest, the whole, um, the whole survey is it's really useful, real life feedback in it that you don't often get a chance to feel really privileged to see the results for this because you don't often get the chance to have a look through and see what people's thoughts are. It take a long time to ask hundred people all these questions, so to have it all in one place and to be able to discuss it. But I think discussing it is one thing, but I think we should definitely take notice of it as well and you know and discuss it with church leaders and and within our own communities as to how we can help combat some of these things and, and also help celebrate the good things that we are doing as well because it's it's easy saying last week it's easy sometimes just to jump out on the negative words but actually there's some really nice thoughts and and comments in here as well as the things that the church and christians do do well so i think the hierarchy what is an interesting comment isn't it because mm. Um, some people really, really thrive from having hierarchical systems in place and really actually need that in order to function and everybody to sort of take their place and fulfil whatever role it is they're doing within an institution. And I think there is a place for hierarchy, isn't there? Um, but I can also see why it would be something that is unattractive. I have to admit, I don't particularly love within our denomination... I've never really bought into all the different names for the roles and the different, um, I don't know, titles that we have. And to be honest, if you asked me about them, I wouldn't be able to tell you what they are. And I can see why that would be something that's unattractive. But within the secular world and within other institutions, hierarchy does help us to function, doesn't it? So it's about how that hierarchical leadership is played out, actually, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of, when hierarchy is used for an abuse of power is a very different thing where it's then when it's used to enable growth or whatever within that. And I think historically, perhaps within uh, the Salvation Army, because you had a certain role, you had authority just by the definition of it. Whilst now mm. you kind of have to earn that authority, which is rightly so in terms of proof that you have the giftings and the wisdom to be able to be able to offer out of that rather than just because I am in this position, I have total authority and therefore I can say X, Y, and Z and you will follow. Does it work? <laughs> I would guess that um, the majority of people that answered hierarchy were, were Christians. I don't know whether you guys would think the same. Um, but it seems like a sort of internal church thing to be frustrated yeah. with. I'm just trying to think of it like it. To, it's it's difficult because in like in the professional world, generally, you know, job titles and things that are progression is is on merit and on um, on performance and things like that. It's difficult to, to translate that for me into 
church life, like performance and in inverted commas, <laughs> doesn't really make much sense. I guess maturity certainly is another word, but I, I think reading between the lines, perhaps the frustration might be in places where, as as you're saying, Claire, that that maybe there is that disconnect between the um, the, the job that someone's doing and the capability to be able to do it, perhaps. I can see why that would be frustrating, or maybe there's people who are um, overlooked for certain things just because maybe they're younger or don't quite fit the the typical sense of the the job title in inverted commas. So I wonder if that I'm just yeah, kind of trying to think around what people's responses might be. I'm wondering if that might be an influencing factor. Yeah, I guess in a sense hierarchy. Um, it, it works when it releases, equips and gives people the chance to live out their gifting and to mm. go and explore and empowers people. But mm. if you're talking about hierarchy in the sense of that it hoards power, like Claire was talking about, uh, like that abusing power by keeping it to itself in some places or I guess some more intense versions of abuse of power... Um, that that would be a really negative way of looking at hierarchy, but I'm not sure. Just hierarchy in itself is uh, is bad. Yeah, so that's just about all we have time for in this episode. Uh, we really appreciate you all listening, and uh, we're quite excited about the next episode that we're going to record, and uh, that'll be released in two weeks' time from uh yeah when this one is released and we're in that episode we're going to be looking at um the question in the survey where we asked if you could have one question answered by a christian what would it be and wow we've got uh we've got some tricky questions that are being asked so we are gonna have a crack we're gonna take a run at as many as we can and um it may be a bit chaotic and we don't know how we're going to do, but it should be fun. <laughs> so I hope that you all join us for that one and make sure that um, you join the listener group over on Facebook at SSOM listener group as well and carry on the conversation there. But until next time, be well. Mm-hmm.